All right, so I'm ready when you are. Are you recording? No, wait. That was so girly at the end. Was it? Play it back. Play it back. I want to hear it. So another episode of the Gun Show podcast. Um, we put out a request on our Facebook page, which is uh, www.facebook.com slash gunshowpodcast for, uh, you know, suggestions, um, topics, questions, um, stuff we could do here on the air. And uh, we got some feedback, didn't we, Martin? Yes, we did. All right. What did we get? Uh, some feedbacks, a few questions. That's great. Yeah. And we're um, going to cover those later on in the show, yes. evidently. Now, I, well, I thought you'd, I figured you'd start off with a couple of your news stories you had. Yeah, I had one over something. Uh, the Naval Yard shooter. There yes. was an article. Uh, let me let me get it. Let me get it right in front of me here because I I want I want to misquote it. But there was an article that said uh, if the reporter is to be believed, but we all know that they're bad at their job. It's been a point of mine uh, ever since we started this podcast um, that the media is bad at their jobs. But if we believe the story um, that the Navy Yard shooter. Uh, was tracked, his firearms purchase was tracked by the FBI. And if we are to believe that and the ATF was left out of the loop, um, it means a couple of things. It means, one, the ATF's not relevant. Um, If the FBI doesn't need to go to them to track firearms, uh, you know, uh, that kind of eliminates their You don't think that the FBI just has a login? To the ATF database? Yeah. I, I, I don't think that's how it works, no. No. It's not like FBI 01. The Star Tribune is reporting uh, Alicia Caldwell, the Associated Pre- oh, the Associated Press is reporting, and I'm getting this out of the Star Tribune, that the ATF was left out of the trace, and the FBI traced it. And, you know, the story goes on to say, you know, the FBI declined to comment, the ATF declined to comment, yada, yada, yada. Um, but if the FBI was able to trace it... Does this mean there's a national registration database out there somewhere? Illegally, I might add. I mean, we all believe there is one, right? Why wouldn't there be one? Right. But is this actual proof that it is or just a journalist? Well, is this another one of those where the journalist is reporting something that's not factually correct? That's never happened before, you know, Martin. Why I would mean, you say you're that? Kind of, Why would you're you kind of believing stuff that you want to believe coming from the news media. No, 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 no. One, I definitely believe that there's a database. I definitely 100% believe it, and Not I know it's illegal. Not because this story, then. No, it so has this, nothing to do with this story. story. It just makes sense. which confirms your belief coming from the media, which you don't trust. No, I don't trust that this story <laughs> shows that at all. I, I trust that the ATF was left out, which is interesting. Uh, the the article I'm referring to um, refers to that as a snub uh, to the ATF. The ATF is always supposed to be in on the the gun stuff. Um, so the FBI kind of stuck their you know yeah. stuck their nose up and said you know yeah we don't need you we don't need you guys we'll we can trace just do this, this. yeah and <laughs> well they are the Federal Bureau of Investigation is that what that stands for yeah I always wondered yeah. huh what does ATF stand for. Um, apples, tools, and... Fritos. <laughs> so the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms Division of the Justice Department was left out of the loop when they went uh, when the FBI went looking for a firearm, which is interesting. Um, and um, like I said, uh, I don't know, proof of a database, tinfoil hat thing? I don't know. 
so if I don my tinfoil hat, right, I, I say that why wouldn't they have this database? They have the data. We send it to them with a NICS check, right? Right. We tell them, we tell them our name. We identify ourselves. We tell them what gun you know we're what? buying. That's because the FBI is listening in on the ATF phone calls. The a- There's F- no need. No, well, the FBI, They've made their own database. The FBI runs NICS. Okay. Ah. Uh, yeah, the FBI runs NICS. The ATF uh, is in charge of all the regulation around NICS. So the ATF makes up the 4473, and the FBI runs the NICS check. So then if the, if the FBI runs the NICS check, then they just went to their database. Exactly. Uh, they're, they're but that's not legal. There's a law. Ah. Long been on the books that says you can't keep a database. You look at the information, you look at whether or not I can buy the gun, you say yes or no, and you flush that out of your system. Well, obviously, they're not doing that. No. This guy bought the gun weeks before. Obviously, this – and the other thing that the ATF could do to make a database or the federal government through the ATF is that when a gun store goes out of business or an FFL uh, firearms dealer license holder gets rid of his license – He's supposed to box up all his 4473s. That's a form you fill out every time you buy a gun and ship them to the ATF for storage. And they could easily digitize those, right? Why not? They got OCR programs these days. I don't know what that means. Optical character recognition. It scans the the document and then takes each letter and basically makes it um, searchable. Digitizes the written yeah, word. Yeah, digitizes. Right. Okay, kind of like Obama's birth certificate. It creates <laughs> layers and everything. And pixels. Yeah. <laughs> so the so there is a. I just got, but here's the thing. What if there's not? What if there's not? What a if database? there's not a database? Is there any way See, that, the thing that is there any way that they could have an FBI guy could have called up the ATF and said, "Hey, look, I need this information ASAP." Where do they get it? It's not written down anywhere. The ATF doesn't have it written down. Okay, they. This is what they'd have to do. They would have to pull the serial number off the shotgun. Okay, which they had within minutes of right, and they'd have to call the manufacturer. Right. And hopefully they got that right. I know they Which was Red Jacket, right? Because it was an AR-15 <laughs> shotgun. Game, it's a game changer, baby. <laughs> I don't know. It was the Turks, the MK-1919. Uh-huh. No, so they got to call Remington. Okay. Remington looks at the serial number. Remington says, we sold it to this distributor and or dealer, right? So then they got to go to that distributor and or dealer and say, did you sell this firearm? Assuming they don't have a database, they have to look it up. They have to go through their 4473s until they find it, right? Or let's say they have a database. Let's say it's a distributor, so their bound book, which is what an FFL has to keep for in, ongoing and incoming and outgoing guns, right? Their bound book is digitized, which they are. They all are. Remington's is probably digitized. Remington's I'm, digitized, I'm sure. right, yes. They look at their bound book. They <laughs> unless see unless uh, Beth is still sitting there you know, with her little you know, forked hand because she's been writing all these serial numbers down. Oh, yeah, her hand's probably really – a lot of pencils, right? Yeah. So anyways, um, they look up the serial number. They say it went to Bob's gun shop or wherever this guy bought his gun from, right, in Virginia, right? So then they have to go to Bob's gun shop, and Bob's gun shop has to look up that gun, look in the bound book, who they sold it to. They have to go find the 4473, pull it up, and then give it to them. Now, they could have done that. Yes. They did. Yeah, from what I'm hearing – it was uh, it was, it a was computer very fast. search. Yeah, it was yeah, computer it was search. Um, and the other thing is, we all 
Well, the other thing is, is how did the guy get past all those checks having the, – the problem is, is the laws that are on the books currently are not enforced enough. The problem he is – He never should have been able to buy no, that gun. There, the problem is there is no law that keeps people from being crazy. We have decided right, that being sh- mentally but he ill – he did two things with guns. Right. Shot out tires right. at a construction site and then – well, the other one was cleaning a gun. He was that never could found happen. guilty of any felonies or misdemeanors, right? So he you, was charged with some things. Charges were dropped. He was arrested for some things. He wasn't charged. But isn't that that's we don't have the whole story yet? But going on that premise, right? If I've been arrested for stuff, but not char- I mean, you can be arrested for anything, right? So if I've been arrested and not charged, you can't take away my civil rights for that. I still have to pass a background check. I still have to be able to buy a firearm. Right, right but that just sounds like the uh, again. The system failing. No, the system worked perfectly. He was never convicted of a crime. Well, that, no, that's what I'm saying. He was never convicted of a crime, right. although there were tons of witnesses. There have been people that have already said that they know that he shot the, the tires out and he had all these other little things like that. I'm not talking about him talking about the, the voices in his head or the guns. Right. That he, you You're know, just talking that, about he should have been found guilty of something for found, that. Okay. You would think. I agree. If, if he was linked back to it and, so yeah. m- and the construction worker said, yeah, we watched him shoot the tires out right. and he would do the blackout rage. Yeah, and he did say that. That's true. And the charges were never pressed. So, so yeah, what, what are you going to do? Again, I was just bringing up the fact Here's, that there's so many laws on the books that are just not enforced. And let I that, agree with that. I agree with that. You know, let that bounce around in your head. However, I don't believe that's the problem. I believe this guy was nuts. He wanted to kill some people, so he was going to do it. Legally, illegally, buy a shotgun with a background right. track, buy a shotgun without a background track. The problem is that this guy called the cops on himself you know, weeks before, supposedly, uh, telling them that it, he was being driven crazy by low frequencies. And the cops couldn't do anything about it because, you know, they get that call all the time. They don't do anything about it. Nobody's been hurt. The problem is right. we've, we've, decre- we've, we've, we've made being mentally ill a civil right here in America. You have the right to be crazy and live amongst the rest of us and buy shotguns and vote and the rest of the stuff, Right. Good or bad or indifferent, that's society we've created. We don't have a society anymore that takes the crazy people. You know, 30 years ago, the cops show up to somebody's house. He says, I'm having, I hear ultra-low frequency waves that are making me crazy. They say, oh, is that right, sir? And they put him in their car and they drive him to the hospital and they check him in as a crazy person, right? Yeah. And the doctor... The doctor has some laws he can follow, and he can he can place him in there for thirty days or so. I don't remember what the laws were, but so, anyways, we had a system. We don't have a system for that anymore. Until this guy breaks the law, uh, in this case by shooting people, we can't do anything about it. Now, because we've chosen to deal with our crazy people using the criminal system, so we've taken it from a mental health thing now into a criminal thing. So until the crazy person commits the crime, we don't do anything to him. Now, in this case, there was at least one crime, maybe two, that this guy committed that didn't deal with him being crazy, right? Now, the but like other people that have shot up places, schools and theaters and other things, they really don't have a big run into the law. Until the giant psychotic episode where they decide to shoot all their coworkers or people in a the theater, a bunch of kids, right? So because we've criminalized 
the craziness, and we don't do anything about minor craziness, the major craziness is the shooting of people. And Right. That's the point that how it has many to times, get to before yeah, exactly. anything's going to happen. Exactly. Now, if this guy had gone crazy and tried to cut off his neighbor's hand with a knife, the neighbor might have been able to call the cops and get him convicted on something. He you never know. would have been able to buy a knife again. He would have been able to buy a knife, not a gun. Well, why? He didn't do it with a, with a gun. <laughs> he did it with a knife. That's the way our system works, baby. So I think that's part of a bigger issue. I think our society really needs to look at, uh, one – uh, the way we deal with the mentally ill. I mean, we make them homeless people, and when they break the law, we throw them in jail, and we let the jails deal with them, right? Um, and two, uh, why we're focused so much on the mass shooting? I guess because it's in the media. Yeah, I mean the same. It's day- already it's already started to calm down. Oh, it, it went away quick, didn't it? Well, it did as soon as there was it no went AR. Away quick, no AR fifteen, no story, right? Yeah. Whoo, that's another part. And, of and the then story. everyone's been jumping on the hey, he did what Biden told him to do. <laughs> you, yeah. So that didn't work. He out He had more too than well two shells them. of twelve gauge. Yeah. So he broke the rules. Remember, everybody, two shells of twelve gauge only. So. The question, though, that I have is what makes – you know, Biden's talking about having the right to defend yourself at home and you should be able to have two two shells of 12-gauge, right? Yes. Why is it you can only protect yourself at home? Why does he feel like that's the only place that you need to be protected? Why not at work? There is some – there's something – there's, it's got to be a nanny statism. That's all I can figure is that the government is there to protect us. The police will protect us. The The only people with guns need to be the cops. And I think that that's their belief system. And then maybe they, they back off it a little and say, well, I guess you can have a gun at your house. That seems to be an amendment somewhere in the Constitution that says you can have one. But they don't understand the right to keep and bear means keep and bear, which means carry, which means hold on your person. Mm-hmm. So we have the right to bear arms. So right, and they don't like. Well, they don't like that. They, they, I think there's 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 the portion of the the type of people who who don't want us to have guns. There's a portion of them that are. They don't think people should have guns because they know they're not emotionally or physically or, you know, mentally stable enough to own a gun. They think if they had a gun in their car. When they went driving through traffic, they'd get in road rages and shoot somebody. So they project that on us, on you and me, who would never do that. So it all goes back to projecting? Yeah. Well, yeah, they project that on us. And then you have another portion who think that they just don't like us. They don't like people who, you know, the perceived gun owner, right? Pickup truck with with a gun rack in it and a NASCAR sticker and a rebel flag. And he's drinking, you know, he drinks a... Uh, Coors Light. No, beer. it's not Coors Light. It's Coors Original. Coors Original. <laughs> the yellow. Yeah. Miller Light. Miller High Light. Yeah, I don't know. Miller Light. Whatever. Budweiser. They don't like that the person. Original. They think they they they're they're more of the educated Ivy League Harvard type. You know, I'm too good to be a to to. Yeah, yeah. So they don't like that person. So that person likes guns. Therefore, they don't like guns. Yeah. All right. Okay. Which is an interesting juxtaposition. Maybe we can get into later. But the. The the other part of it is the people that just you know they want to be taken care of by the nanny state. They don't. There ought to be a law against it, and they think that outlawing guns will make guns go away when we know it won't. 
So that's the type of people that we're dealing with that don't want us to have guns. Now, there's probably a few intellectually honest people that don't think you and I should be able to own guns that have a good, honest, intellectual reason, but I haven't met them and I haven't heard it yet. Right. So I'm waiting to hear it. I, I really am. It's one of those thoughts they just can't put on paper. You can't. And you can't really convey the message. Well, That's probably you, why you've if never, you never run into – if you only run into the ubiquitous redneck with his pickup truck and rifle rack, right, who can't say you know, something beyond it's my Second Amendment right, you know. Mm-hmm. Right. Which there's nothing wrong with, because it is your Second Amendment right. There's nothing wrong with that. But if he can't run into somebody that can articulate against his arguments, that intellectual person who thinks guns are bad um, isn't, you know, their 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 arguments going to stand. It's never going to run into anything that can be knocked down. And that's why I like to, when I run into somebody like that, I like to make a calm, cohesive argument. Uh, and knock down their argument. You are never calm and you are never cohesive. I've been calm before. <laughs> I've been known to be calm on occasion. Every, maybe twice. Yeah. So, um, all right, well, how about the guy that walked into the McDonald's in uh, Fort Worth uh-huh. and the cops are saying that he pulled the trigger and nothing happened. There well, was he no. He pointed it at somebody? Well, he or? pointed the gun at multiple people. Um, and they have the video out there, and then he walks outside and he fires off like three rounds. Uh huh. Um, but somebody shoot him? No, they that's, that's where I was going to go with this. <laughs> was uh, it, this, this guy it wasn't obviously obvious. everybody in the right. state of Texas is not carrying a gun, and Why not? not. And this no. isn't a wild west state because no, if it not. had been, all there would have been one patron or every one of them in there that would have pulled would a have gun and shot him. Guy. Yeah. Well. It, People don't understand that just like the stereotypes that I went through earlier. Being redhead? No, the oh. the people that don't like guns. Oh, yeah, stuff, yeah, right? yeah. Just like those stereotypes, they're not universal truth. There's truth to every stereotype. There's a lot of guns here in Texas. Yes. But there's not guns everywhere. And in our major metropolitan areas like Dallas, Fort Worth, Houston, Austin, San Antonio – there's not a lot of people running around with guns. There's a lot of people running around with guns compared, you know, per because of the large concentration of people. But per capita, mm-hmm. there's not a giant concentration of guns. There's probably more guns per capita out in the rural areas because everybody's got a gun. Right. But people don't understand that. They just think we're all, you know, Floridians and Texans are all gun-toting, waiting to plug somebody. I think I might have mentioned this before, but when uh – Somebody in my apartment complex actually shot through the wall. Yeah, that happens. And <laughs> everybody that knows me all immediately thought that it, it was me. <laughs> See, there's your fatal flaw. You let them know you had guns. Well, they – no. These oh, they are, just knew you. These are, yeah, these are people that knew me. Past direct. the acquaintance neighbor level. Yeah, like, oh, okay. well, more I'll, than I'll that, that. I, I chit-chat with every one of my neighbors as much as I possibly can because I want to know who they are. And you're nosy, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, of course. And it's, it's, it, That way when they, like, try to go in with their uh-huh. groceries, you can follow them. Yes, and right. If you get close enough right behind them and they're not paying Steve attention, you can taught slide me that in move. Yes. Yeah, Steve was like, yes, this I was is all you say, have to do. You've been taking lessons from Steve. Yeah. So, um... He speaking wrote, he, speaking he wrote of which, again. Yeah, yeah, we got uh, did. well, we got something from Steve, didn't we? Yeah, I saw that. I saw yeah. that. What's it say? Um, 
the SGW, which uh, stands for Shinrick Gunworks, their SKS bullpup stock that he's been um, outside reviewing for us. Was it Shernick? I thought it was Shernick. Shin- Shinrick? Shernick? S-H-E-R-N-I-C. Close. Whichever. Okay. Anyway, However it's pronounced. SGW. He there we con- go. He contacted them oh, uh, yeah? about they have the issues that he was having with the stock. Yeah, I remember the stock, the cheek part or the brass deflector the popped brass off? Deflector brass deflector just popped right off. Yeah. Um, he said that he actually contacted them and he's going to give them an A++ rating. Oh. Yeah. For what? Um, he called them up. They said that they'd had a few issues with this. Uh, he went out, checked his email, or checked his mail a few days later, and already had the repair uh, package in his mailbox. So he said there was no muss or fuss or issues or anything. They took care of him right away. Well, that's great. Yeah, um, that's good for SGW. It's always good to see another company with excellent customer service, and I think a lot of companies could learn a lesson from this right. and offer that excellent customer service because it's worth more than just dollars. It's worth right. dollars. It's worth a lot of dollars, but it's worth more than that in the long run for sure. Until we get the review back from Steve or until he, you know, it fills us in on it, right. it hasn't been a good thing for them. No, so no. So this this kind of sets it apart. Yeah. This kind of this kind of shows that they actually care. Maybe they're still small enough that mom and pop mentality yeah. Yeah. still exists well, with I, them. I tell you what. Everything mechanical made by man can fail, right? Every company is going to sell something broken, crappy, lemon, something, right? The difference is what that company does to fix the problem, or if they even do. Right, but there's there is a point though, uh, like the Kimber Solo, which we never really truly reviewed a whole lot, but we will because today we're going to do the Keltec RFB. I heard of that guy. Um, today, but the the Kimber it went back to the shop three times. Oh, well, did they finally fix it? Okay, <laughs> so did they did they pay for shipping? See, um, they paid for they did pay for shipping. Yes, oh, okay. but the problem is, is that you're you're without your gun. Well, and I haven't always heard of every company paying for shipping, and then they get to yeah. a point where. You know, Kimber's going to say, well, we've had that gun in three times. We're not paying for shipping again. It's obviously something you're doing. But I'm not saying that. If they, they say that. If they, they didn't do, say that. They yet. did not right. say okay. that. Yeah. We, don't, we want that to be clear. Yeah, they that did so not far, say that. Kimber has offered good customer service. Perfect, has it been excellent? Yeah, perfect excellent customer, customer service, service to okay. take care of it. Unfortunately, the, the product's time, crap. Yeah, it's the time without the gun. It's You, you spend that much money and well, you keep sending it back. Yeah, I mean, at some point, like I said, any company can make a lemon as long as they're going to make it right. But then you get online and you find out that, that it's obviously uh, yeah. they're making, you know, they should have made lemonade with these guns instead of selling them. But back to a positive point, SGW. SGW. So far, good people. And we're so going to see how this works out in the land. And we're all waiting to hear from, uh, I guess we're waiting to hear from Steve, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, oh, well. On a lighter note, the uh, we talked earlier about. Uh, more guns don't necessarily equal more crime. Yes, right? yes, we did. Uh, there's an interesting article. I think we mention that every show, which is a good thing to mention. We've done more shows than this. This one. Go ahead. Okay. The um, in Russia, uh, according to, you got, a, you got a piece of dust there on your phone that you had to clear. It was off. a hair. It was oh. like an eyebrow. I like. I could be my. I just got a haircut. It could be my yeah. hair. 
All right, several outlets have uh, talked about this, but uh, this one, this one particular I'm reading is uh, on NPR and um, National Public Radio. Yes, um, and the headline is: The U.S. has more guns, but Russia has more murders. Hmm. So that doesn't jive with because in America, guns kill you; in Russia, murder, murder kills you. Murder kills you. <laughs> Whoa, that was good. <laughs> yeah, you got to save that yeah, one. Yeah, that was weird, actually. I want that as a ringtone. Your That's eyes awesome. got all, like, bright and beady all at the same <laughs> time. excited. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> well, what this shows is just like anywhere else. Just like um, in uh, – we've talked about in Britain and in Australia where they've banned guns where they were formerly legal. There is – there's a trend for some crimes to climb. And uh, now we've seen in uh, Great Britain, I know for sure, that murders are less than here in America. But almost every other violent crime is way higher than here in America. But in Russia, it seems, uh, murders are higher than America. And I'm not seeing any specific numbers because, you know, they're bad at their job. Um, there are 13. 15 million firearms in circulation in Russia. I assume that means privately owned. There are 300 million estimated in the United States. So they have nine guns per 100 people, where we have 100 guns per 100 people. Mm-hmm. Wait, we have a gun for everyone in America? Hey, that, that quote finally came true. That Behind makes, every blade of grass, there will be a gun. I'm so happy. I didn't realize that. We need to celebrate or something, right? I'll, I'll throw a sound effect in. That'd be great. Um, so, according to uh, the statistics, uh, there were twenty-one thousand six hundred three uh, homicides in two thousand nine in Russia, and in America, thirteen thousand six hundred thirty-six. Slow, slow that down. Slow that down. Say there were twenty-one thousand six hundred three homicides in Russia in two thousand nine. The last okay data point. And 13,636 in America. Okay, so 22 versus 14 rounded up. I'm sorry, what? Oh, 22,000 versus 14,000. Yes. Yes. Okay. Those numbers are a lot easier for people to understand as they're driving. Uh, Compared to nine per 100 or one for every man, woman, child Now, does that talk about what was used to commit these crimes? It does. Uh, The Americans... um, 80% 80% of our homicides were gun-related. I don't know what that means. But in uh, Russia, um, they didn't say. So 80% uh, of the killings in America were gun-related. And in Russia, they don't know. So they didn't tell us. Okay. Uh, but you got to assume... Nine percent, if nine out of every hundred people own a gun. But we all know that more people are killed. Wait a minute. Did that say 80%? Yeah, that's one. Wait, that's not right. I just said that, and that's not right. I just realized this. Yeah. We've all seen the statistics that fewer people, more people are killed with people's hands and feet than with guns every year. Ah, NPR, bad at their job. (laughs) All right. Well, speaking uh, of people that are bad at their job, uh, John Kerry signed the UN Treaty. Oh, yes. And this, this comes from Daniel. Um, he sends in a question. Hey, Daniel. He says, go ahead. Virtual high five. Mad cushy props, bro. There it is. Bro. <laughs> Did you just call it women's underwear? No, that's uh, that's uh, Jersey Shore for buddy. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
He says, can a UN treaty override the United States Constitution? He put a question mark there. Or is, <laughs> this just, or is this just an empty victory that can be used on the campaign trail? Both. Yes. That's the answer. The, uh, a treaty ratified by the Senate can override the U.S. Constitution. It's been ruled. Now, it's never gotten to a point where a U.N. treaty has butted heads with the U.S. Constitution. As it, much as this one, pretty much. Could. Could. But it won't be ratified by Congress. Therefore, it is dead in the water. It's just a thing that Kerry did uh, for show. Just look what I did. You know, there's no telling why he did it. He could have signed it to make the UN happy. <laughs> Maybe he likes his signature. He could have signed it to say, <laughs> I did my best, but Congress is holding me back, and I'm yeah. no longer in Congress, so you can't blame me. Right. Um, he could have done it just for fodder for the Obama administration to look at their people and say, look, we're worried about gun control, but Congress won't let us. Yeah, which has kind of been their tactic. So, so again, lately. it's just like Daniel said. It's it it's pretty much an empty victory that yes. they can use on the campaign trail exactly. going forward for anything and everything that they want to uh, blow out of proportion. Basically, whatever they want to blame on whoever. Yeah, yeah. it's perfect. It's beautiful. It's uh, you know because they can't pass anything. So if they don't try, and or if they or if they if they don't fail because somebody else blocked it, they they can blame them instead right. of them their own you know ineptness at the project process whatever i'm trying to say you get my point well and also i read somewhere that uh 40 countries have to sign this treaty and so far only three have actually signed it i didn't realize that yeah well canada i could be i could be confused a little bit i'm not well versed in all that but i know that they had seen that they said that only three and united states at the time when he signed it he became the third one (laughs) That didn't surprise me. So. Well, they just put this treaty out, and our friends up north, the Canadians, uh, eh? came out. Uh, yeah, the, America's little hat. Uh, the, the Canadians came out and said that they were going to wait and look at it some more and talk to their people before they signed anything, which seems smart. Seems the right way it to do it. It is smart. That's why they have universal health care. That's a single-payer <laughs> system. <laughs> Meanwhile, everybody here is talking about Obamacare. Oh, speaking of. <sighs> yeah, speaking of. So it's very interesting. I, I, I would almost welcome the single-payer system, such as Canada or England has, over the monstrosity that seems to be this Obamacare. Now, that just could be the media and the politicians blowing this way out of proportion because – well, that's what they do. Um, but so far, this seems just as big a mess as what we had before, if not worser. You didn't really explain it. You just kind of... Yeah. No, I'm just saying that before we had uh, expensive insurance, Okay. we had rising health care costs, and we had a whole chunk of the country with no insurance because they thought they didn't need it because they're young... So, so basically what this do, did was it skipped everyone that had insurance ahead 10 years on their cost. Yes. And Basically, uh, it's, it's – it, in the big picture, it's a form of socialism because – it's socialized medicine is what it is because it requires you to go get insurance. And if you were one of those people that didn't have insurance before because you didn't use it or you, you didn't pay get a sick, fine now, right? Yeah, you can either pay the fine or go get the insurance. Either way, they get money out of you. Whereas right. before, they weren't getting any money out of you because you weren't sick, right? And you weren't buying insurance. It's, and now that money can be used to subsidize the people 
who do get sick all the time but don't pay enough into the insurance to cover that being sick. Does that make sense? And that theoretically, if everybody signed up, would lower the cost. Well, what's going to happen is the fine, what looks like it's going to happen is the fine is going to be less than the cost of the insurance. So that's what people are going to buy. Yeah, that's what I was hearing. I mean, considerably less. Considerably less, especially if, you know, you're in one of those weird situations where you're a single young adult. Something along the lines of almost 10% – the cost of the I've seen the year, so yeah. many numbers thrown about, and every state's different. Everybody's different, and from what I've seen, the the professionals in the system can't even tell you how much it's going to yeah, cost. A lot of so them nobody are knows. Confused. So we'll yeah. see. We'll see how it turns out. We'll just call up your Congress. No, I wouldn't. Bother. They're exempt, yeah. so yeah. don't have to worry about that. Yeah, and yeah, there's so many exemptions. Oh, just call the people at G. No, such a bad policy. Can't do that. You know who gets screwed on the deal, right? The unions. The unions took in the pants on this deal because they were are not exempt. Well, they were supporting it at first right. until they found out what happened. Yeah, well. Well, the cost is yeah. what happened. So, yeah, wow. It's going to be interesting. We'll see. Everybody's hours is going to get cut to 30 hours so they don't have to pay for their stuff. And you're still going to have to go buy it. At the exchange, at the increased rate. Well, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. We're getting off topic, which is okay. It's okay every once in a while. But uh, we do have some more questions. From Uh, listeners? Yes. Oh, good. Um, From Joey. Hey, Joey. Virtual high five, Joey. Yeah. Mad cushy props? Yeah. All right. So he's got a few questions about the AR-15 platform. We fielded a few from him before. Oh, okay. Um, Well, we're always glad to answer But now he's getting into some some detailed questions here, which is great. I'm good at detailed Um, questions. You know, he says, we've spoken about the lowers, mil-spec parts, uppers, and barrel twists. He says, now what are the perks of having a stainless steel barrel other than rust? Well, uh... If you if you take it far enough to the extremes, a stainless steel barrel will be more accurate than a chromoly steel barrel. Why? Because that's what they choose to build the accuratest barrels from. Honestly. So what makes what what then what's going to make one barrel more accurate than the other? Um, attention to detail when they build the barrel. Honestly, it's it's. It's basically you kind of you get what you pay for. So if you have a high-end barrel maker who's paying very close attention to tolerances and hand-lapping the barrel afterwards, then yeah. But So like a Krieger barrel, get right. the stainless steel like Krieger. A, a bench rest gun's going to have a stainless steel barrel because they need the ultimate accuracy. Is that accuracy. metal easy, easier to work with? Yeah, the metal what? is easier to work with. It's easier to get to tolerances. It's easier to lap. It doesn't last as long. But they don't need to worry about that because they're just worried about accuracy. Now, back to – that's the theories behind it. Back to practicality. Let's talk about what's actually practical on the AR platform. Um, for all practical purposes, you can have a chromoly steel barrel that's just as accurate as a stainless steel barrel. There's probably more accurate stainless steel barrels out there than chromoly steel barrels, but – you know, it just depends on the barrel maker themselves, the brand of the barrel, and how much care was taken in some of the other processes when they make the barrel. I've seen, you know, chromoly barrels shoot just as good as you can, and I've seen stainless steel barrels shoot amazingly well. 
Um, I haven't seen many sh- barrels shoot badly. Uh, I think the, the key is to get the right twist rate for your application and to go with a good barrel manufacturer. I think some of the best stainless steel barrels out there are some of the big names, the Noveskis, um, the, the Noveskis made by Pagnor, um, John a blank. Krieger. Well, of course, yeah. If you go with a white oak precision barrel, yeah. that's an excellent barrel. Um, but the high end okay, stuff. So, all right, so we know that. What are we looking at differences in price? Eh, they're all over the place, too. I've seen cheap Wilson-made stainless steel barrels shoot wonderfully. And then on the other end, you got something like something from uh, a super match stainless from Rainier Arms for almost $500. You know, and so that runs the gamut of so pricing. So we've got like the two thirty all the way up to the two hundred some odd bucks to four hundred some odd bucks. And you know, easy. you can get that. You can get that with the Chrome Molly. You can get the Cold Hammer exactly. Forged. You can get exactly. the, the uh, Bravo Company, the BCMs that are four hundred and thirty dollars. Right. Yes. I mean, you can find it. You can pay money if you want if, to. If I was looking you're saying. for accuracy, I think the best value right now is from the aforementioned you just mentioned uh, BCM Bravo Company. They make a stainless steel uh, barrel or upper assembly if you want to get that. And I think it's probably the best bang for the buck as far as barrels go. Um, another choice. Well, let me ask you this. Sure. Since he's not really talking about accuracy. Um, so we know that they're more accurate. Yeah. What about firing that cheap Russian stuff? Because to me, an AR is a tool. It needs to fire anything that you can put in, you know, into it. Sure. So does a stainless steel barrel, you know, and I already heard you say that it doesn't last as long as a chrome molly. I mean, Theoretically, you got that bimetal yes. jacket yes. from the Wolf yes. Ammo. Yes. That's just going to tear By it up. By the time you shoot enough rounds through it for it to matter, you're going to already have paid six barrels in ammo. Does it make any sense? We're talking about once you shoot out a barrel, you've put so much money into the ammo. So the, so the difference between it's, the it's, stainless steel and the... Uh, is it, it's not that big of a difference then? I don't think it's that big of a practical difference. There is going to be a life expectancy difference. If you if you know you're going to build a gun to go out and shoot cheap ammo through all day long, there's no need to buy a stainless and if steel you're barrel. Gonna, if you already plan on shooting cheap ammo, then there's no sense in spending. There's no you, sense in buying the stainless steel barrel. You right? don't have the mentality to go spend that much money anyway. <laughs> That's probably right? true. Well, you know, And I'm not making fun of anyone no. because I've got my nice AR. I've got my cheap ARs. I've got If I was all going to build an AR and I knew I was going to try to shoot the cheapest ammo I'd get my hands on, which probably going to be steel case Russian ammo. I would not bother with a stainless steel barrel. It would be silly. Now, if I got a smoking deal on a stainless steel barrel, yeah, I might run it. It's not going to hurt anything. And I don't yeah. think the I don't think the longevity of the barrel is going to matter in the long run. Um, um, but yeah, there's some other processes out there for for longevity. There's nitriding. Um, I would definitely recommend that cold hammer forging. Definitely recommend uh, DSA that. DSA is big on that nitride, right? Yeah, DSA. I haven't been looked at their stuff lately. See if it's still nitrided. Um, there's well, a, they did all their foul stuff. Everybody's getting nitrided. The Smith and Wesson's nitriding their barrels. Well, one of my, I have one of the DSAs. Yeah, and, I had I mean, one. it's it's accurate. I had one. It wouldn't shoot seventy seven grain because the twists. We talked Whoa. about twists, and so I had to get rid of it. But that's just because I shoot seventy seven grain all the time. So I need a gun that'll shoot that. Um, but yeah, nitriding, chrome lining, uh, and you know, just regular chrome mollies probably are the bottom end of that. But then again, like I said, we're talking nuances here. Uh, is one better than the other? Yes. 
but are you going to notice it in practical use what's bolted to your gun? Probably not. I think the biggest thing to do is go with a barrel from a reputable manufacturer. And I, I think that's the most important thing uh, in building your gun. Okay. Well, he goes on. He's got a few more uh, points that he'd like to question or ask us here. Uh, he says, uh, what does nickel boron bring to the show, again, other than rust-proofing something? Uh, nickel boron has some great characteristics. Uh, one of those is the um, the lubricity, the lubricity, lubrication, uh, the slickness. It's slick. It holds lube really well. It's inherently slick. It may not need lube. A lot of the people talking about the nickel boron say no need for lubrication. Uh, I personally don't believe that, but uh, you know there might be some truth into it. The um, the 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 other thing it does is like you said the the protects it from corrosion. It, it's extremely tough finish um, as far as the corrosion is concerned. It's not so tough mechanically. Uh, it can be scratched and scraped off you know, kind of kind of easily. Uh, so then, how does it how does it not require lubrication? Because one of the reasons why you do lubrication uh -huh. is so that you don't have that metal-on-metal -metal friction right. rubbing something well, off. Well, this is still the metal-on-metal -metal friction. However, the way the molecules of the metal work, it's non-wear or low friction areas of the metal-on-metal. -metal. Does that make sense? It has to be low because nothing is yeah. non. It's not non-wear. Of course not. It's it's low-wear. It's, it's, it's going to allow the friction of the two items to be substantially less. And sometimes uh, they've impregnated, I don't know about nickel so going to So go back to the barrels then. Sure. Are you going to shoot enough rounds exactly. through your gun before exactly. you notice exactly. the difference between a nickel boron are or you, your... Are you building a gun so you never have to lubricate it? Yeah, get a nickel boron, but... Yeah, let's face With it. With a stainless steel barrel. I have seen G standard GI uh, finish on like a bolt carrier group is a parkerization with a chrome lining. Is there better finishes? Yeah, sure. Nickel boron's probably a better finish. Like you said, is it worth it in the long run? Probably not. If you're seeing, you know, what's the price 100,000 rounds before yeah. you wear out a bolt carrier, uh, not a bolt, but a bolt carrier. Does it matter what the finish is? No. If a phosphated one can... Uh, if our, and again, wanna, what, if, what if you can buy an extra bolt for the same exactly. price? Exactly. And you know what? I would do that. I would buy two bolts yeah. in case I had a failure. Yep. That doesn't mean that it's impervious to snapping yeah. in half on you or I have gotten a good deal something. on a chrome bolt before, so I've bought a chrome line yeah, uh, chrome cover bolt. You have a couple nice ones. So, yeah, there's some there's some other, there's some other options out there. And there's maybe some that are worth the upgrade to you for maybe ease of cleaning. Uh like chrome is easy to clean and nickel boron's easy to clean. But, you know, as far as practicality, no. It doesn't have any additional value uh, numerically. It's not going to it's not going to count to enough cents, pennies saved, dollars saved to to pay for itself if that makes any sense. Okay, so then his last, uh, his final question, and I hope he sends in more because these are great questions. I, I really enjoy uh -huh. these. Yeah, these um, are good questions. He brings up, um, again, now, now this one's going to be more of a personal opinion, I think. Oh, uh, I've got those. What's a good flash hider? Uh-huh. What, uh, what's a good compensator? Uh -huh. And then, you know, can you compromise and get a combo? Yes. You can answer the last part. But let's go to the first part. Um, there's lots of good flash hiders on the market. There are 
lots of good brakes on the market. And luckily enough, because of the popularity of the Air 15 platform, there's lots of good combos on the market. Okay, so let's just stick right now, though, with let's the just, flash Let's hider. just start with flash hiders. Yeah. The A2 flash hider, surprisingly enough, is the a – is a Yeah, the factory. It's a pretty darn good flash hider. Yes. It actually does a – it, it does a decent job of doing it. There are better ones out there. The Vortex is a good one. The Phantom now, is a good one. You know, one. when you when you talk about flash hiders too, some of the other things to think about is if you're shooting prone, you know, the the bird cage is sealed on the bottom, so you're not right. going to kick the dust up in That's your true. own face while trying to shoot. Now, another thing to remember is the flash hider doesn't matter as much as the ammo. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's if you're shooting the aforementioned cheap uh, Russian ammo, wolf or something. It probably, you know, it will make a better flash hider will make that giant fireball smaller. But you would probably be better off shooting a flash hider, an ammo with a propellant with low flash capabilities, um, such as military issue type ammo. Or it's e- usually e- got low flash. Yeah, Hornady taps, high like end, that. Yeah, yeah, high end defensive ammo has it. Uh, cop. Type ammo has the the low flash stuff. So if you're worried about flash, you know you might want to concentrate on the ammo side of it as opposed to the 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 flash hider uh, screwed on the end there. But um, the, the, the I the, think the, I mentioned the Phantom, the Smith Vortex. We mentioned the A2, and even the I, A1 yeah, is a pretty good one. I really like the uh, Yankee Hill Phantom A2s. That's a good one, and I, they have several different types. They got yeah. some five holes and some four holes, and, and I, I I like those because they have the can, uh, pain compliance. Muzzle, which a lot do. Yeah, the the pointy end. Yeah. yeah. So you could poke somebody if yep. you didn't really necessarily want to shoot them, and that will do some damage. There's some other good-looking flash hiders out there. I like how the Troy Medieval one looks. Yeah. I really like how that one looks. I like how the – oh, I'm trying to think of it now. I can picture it in my head. But now I – oh, The man. Vortex is nice. Now, I heard that a few years the ago – The Blackout. AAC Blackout has a flash hider blackout that's not a break. I like that. Well, I heard the vortex, which is the which is what is it three prongs, correct? It's like a twist three prong. Uh, is that a three prong or a four? four? It could the be four. The Smith is a four. Yeah, the Smith is a four. Well, I've heard, and I know this is kind of one of those armchair commando guy oh, things. Oh, I know but where you're going. When you're walking through, you know, heavy <laughs> brush and and you trip and you kind of catch your rifle just right, yeah. you can bend one of those completely yeah. out. Yeah, the open prongs can catch on something. I, I've also heard some people that shoot those open prongs, and they say the open prongs act like tuning forks, and you hear a kind of ringing sound every time you shoot. And, you know, unless I'm unless I'm not wearing ear protection where I always I, hear a ringing sound, I've never heard it. I so. always hear the, the uh, buffer spring, so I don't know how they can hear anything oh, other man. than that. I had a conversation. I don't get, you don't even get me started on the sprawling, man. Don't even get me started. It doesn't bother me. I know, but I've had uh, to have conversations about people that it drove them nuts and they had to get oh. rid of the sprawling. So don't get me started. Oh, okay. Back to back I'm to saying that's what I, I hear. That's what I hear over tuning <laughs> forks when I'm shooting. Uh, um, back to flash okay, so to break. Okay, so okay. now let's talk about compensators. Slash compensators or brakes, brakes are things that help reduce either recoil, muzzle rise, or both, right? Um, and the thing about brakes is the rule of thumb is the more obnoxious and louder and nastier they are for the shooter and especially those around the shooter, mm-hmm. the better they work. <laughs> right. They're, and that seems to be the case. <laughs> It does yeah. seem to be the case. I've got some nasty breaks on my guns. I've got some good 
compensators on my guns that that don't um, that don't act as brakes. There's some there's some directional uh, compensators. Uh, the Novesky like, like the Pig, pig. Yeah. is a very famous one. The DPMS Lavang is another very famous one. And there's some other ones. And what those do is those just direct all the gases forward. And uh, they don't do a real good job of any flash hiding, but they don't do an awful job of it. Um, and those don't have any recoil mitigation to them. But uh, and they don't have any muzzle rise mitigation to them. But if you start talking about a brake, uh, the Michalik brake, the old school JP Rolling Thunder brake, it's something to think think the about. Modern surefire. To explain what a brake would be for anyone that's not familiar with it, it's usually um, you'll see it if you're looking at the rifle from the side. It'll be one hole or two holes or three holes drilled into what you normally would think would be the flash hider or uh, flash suppressor. That's yeah, it, it, yeah. It, into the muzzle built into the muzzle device are ports uh, that redirect the gases uh, coming out of your barrel. And you know if the guy next to you things. is shooting yes. one. Yes. Uh, one of the most famous ones is the one on the uh, the Armalite AR-50, the giant tank brake thing. And just looking at that, you can tell it directs gases backwards. Yeah, it's also you'll see on the Barrett. some of the recoil. Yeah, the Barrett, Barrett has one similar. Um, the roadblock from Mossberg shotgun has one. Um and the, and I'll tell you if you are standing by somebody with that Barrett, <laughs> you do not want to stand Don't on either stand side of them. Directly beside them. Yeah. yeah. Get it. Um, if you can see, if you feel like you're looking into those ports, you need to move before they pull the trigger. But, you might regret but it. But there are a lot of good brakes out there. Um, a lot of them are obnoxious. So you know, if you shoot by yourself out in a field, you know, you, who cares? If you shoot on a firing line with a lot of other people, like in a classroom, uh, a classroom, <laughs> a class setting, um, then you probably don't want a, a break like that. If you're shooting indoors, you definitely don't want a break like that. Um, now, the combinations have become very popular lately. And what this is is a compensator with some sort of flash hiding ability or it is a – flash hider with some sort of compensating ability and those are all over the place there are the the big names that come to mind uh, right now the hot ones are battle comp another hot one is the ones from uh the aforementioned bravo company that one's pretty new and pretty hot um uh, pws makes one surefire makes them uh those are very popular uh aac makes the breakout and the blackout break uh, there are all sorts of compensators slash flash hider combinations, and they run the price range of you know fifty bucks to one hundred and fifty. Yeah, bucks. you got. I mean, you got, and even that goes the same way with flash hiders and everything. Yeah, same thing with flash hiders. You, you can get a twenty dollar one, or you can spend you know five hundred and fifty on a special metal that changes yep. colors the more you shoot through yep. it, which is that knight's armament. I can't. Oh, the triple tap, the four hundred dollar yeah. triple tap. Yeah, four hundred dollars. Nobody needs that. That's, that's outrageous. You, you know, the more you shoot it, the metal actually changes color yes. because it heats up. Yes. Well, yeah, and so that's that's a, that's a good basic overview of muzzle devices. Um, and let's see where three D printing takes it. Oh, you know, we talked about that a little bit more, but think about all the veins they can they can start yeah. to do. Actually, I've seen some stuff that's been wire EDM cut. That they've worked in little vortice thingamajiggers on the flash hider 
thing that supposedly cuts down on oh forget it it's it's gone it's gone crazy out there (laughs) 